morning, everybody. Can you hear me okay? All right. I had to sneak in this mic check, okay? I just realized I'd forgotten to do mine, so God bless. give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserve as we gather in this sacred space to celebrate, to lift up the name of Jesus. How many of y'all are glad to be in the service? One time. Let me try that one more time for, for those who haven't been here for a while. How many of y'all are glad to be in the service one more time? Let me do it one more time for the Holy Ghost. How many of y'all are glad to be in the service one more time? What a blessed opportunity it is for us to gather and to worship our God. This is HBCU Sunday, Historical Black College and University Sunday. And we wanted to say good morning to all of those who are watching us online on Zoom, Facebook, Vimeo, as well as YouTube or listening to us on the radio. Welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So real quick, we want you to do several things. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline. Tag people you want to invite to this post. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want to get at least 2,000 subscribers by the summer. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and text this link of this worship service to your personal network. Invite others to join us. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in your chat window to share this experience with others. Also, if you're watching us online, on Zoom, or wherever you're watching us, if you would, put in the chat where you're watching us from as far as location is concerned, and we'll take wonderful delight as far as giving you shout-out through our social media influencers and our digital ministers. Reverend Kelly Baptist is going to come and lead us in our worship experience, and so if you would, those of you who are able, stand on your feet, put your hands together, give the Lord the praise as she comes and leads us in this moment. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Our ancestors said through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. It's Black History Month. It's the Lord's Day. Let's just rejoice and celebrate the God who's brought us this far. Millions of people are not here today, and the ones who left us behind would want us to celebrate and rejoice. We're still here. We're still standing. We serve a God who's kept us through thousands of years, and he ain't done yet. It's 2022, and we're going to see what God has in store, not what COVID has in store, not what the government has in store, not what other folks have in store, but what the Lord has in store for those that love him, that those going to hang on in there with him. Are you going to hang on in there with Jesus for just a little while longer? Are you going to get your fresh breath today? Well, then come on, let's join in morning singing our negro national anthem lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven rings rings with the harmony of liberty aren't you 
glad to be free this morning. Let's sing together to the glory of God and lift every voice and sing.
forever stand true to our God and our native land. Our scripture this morning is coming from Psalm 2. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. You follow along in whatever version you have or the words will be on the screen. Psalm 2. And the word of God says, Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds asunder and cast their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and will terrify them in his fury saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, with trembling. Kiss his feet, or he will be angry with you and you will perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Happy are all who take refuge in him. The word of the Lord is already blessed. Let us pray. Our Father and our strong God, we thank you that you are king, majesty, ruler, judge. You are healer, provider. You are comfort. You are peace. You are love. You are joy. What we need, we can find in your presence, God. So we thank you this morning for bringing us together, God, whether it's physically in the building or across the internet, Lord God, or even the phone lines. You remind us that your spirit is not bound by walls or disease, but you move from heart to heart and breast to breast with those who will be like-minded in you, God. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy towards us. It is only because of you that we are not consumed because great is your faithfulness. God, we say thank you this morning that we're still here. We say thank you this morning that you've forgiven our sins, God, and cleansed us from our unrighteousness, God. We say thank you for how many times you've forgiven us for making the same mistake over and over and over again. God, we say thank you for sometimes letting our stinking thinking override your word this morning. God, we say thank you for your patience and your long suffering, God, and your salvation that says no matter what happens in the earth realm, it's not over until you say it's over. So God, we take a moment aside from everything else to just say thank you. God, stony is the road we've tried. It's been a heavy load sometimes. It's been a bumpy road sometimes. And there have been pieces in our lives that we didn't know what was going on. But we just held on to you, Heavenly Father. And the same way you've seen us through hundreds of years, you've seen us to 2022. You will see us towards the future and the hope that you promised us you have for us in Jesus. 
God, we pray for every mind and heart connected today to this ministry. Unfold your presence, God. Throw your weight around that we might be humbled and blessed and at peace, God. That we might truly worship you face to face in your glory, God. We thank you. We bless you. We believe you. We trust you. And we wait in active faith, doing our part to put our hands to the plow and accomplish the work that you have for this earth realm, God. It ain't over until you say it's over, God. And as long as you keep saying greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world, as long as you keep saying I've called you beloved, I've called you friend, as long as you keep saying there is more for you than what you see right in front of you, as long as you keep saying that you're the way, the truth, and the life, We're going to keep pressing, God. We believe you, God, and we trust you. We stand on your promises and your word. That's solid ground. We bless you and we honor you and we adore you in this place. Be glorified by our worship. Be pleased, not just by our words, but by the aroma of our spirits and our hearts. God, we offer ourselves to you in this time. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say together, wherever we are, amen, 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 amen. and amen. Come on, let's worship choir.
Go better give God some praise this morning. Who's worthy of all our praise? Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir, for lifting uh, lifting Him up, lifting God up in worship, and leading us this morning. Man, let me uh, let me just say that it is beautiful to be in the house of the Lord this morning uh, with all of you all, uh, with everyone, everyone here, and so. I hope, uh, I hope we're doing well this morning. Um, and my name is Reverend Peyton C. And I'm the children and youth pastor uh, here at St. Paul. And uh, this is the impact moment, the part of our uh, worship service where I get to share a message that is just for the children and youth and for all the kids at heart. Amen. All the kids at heart. And so before I begin, I want to make sure um, that you guys are aware that we're starting back children and youth worship the second Sunday in March. Second Sunday in March. Yes. We are going full steam ahead. And if there's any part of you that is just a little nervous or a little anxious or scared about possibly, you know, having your kids back, man, don't be. I promise that we are leaving no stone unturned as we really try to seek out um, what the best way is for us to safely be able to worship together and have a fun time just learning about God. Amen. So, man, please, man, please, just uh, you can reach out to me or reach out to the church if you have any questions leading up um, to uh, uh, the second Sunday in March. Um, but my team is going to be making some calls and we'll be reaching out um, to many of you um, as we just kind of see where you're at, where your head's at. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, get some, uh, we'll, get, we'll get some kids going. All right. Cool. Now, this morning, uh, I got a really, uh, really cool message for us um, where Jesus uh, calls his first disciples in Luke chapter 5. Uh, the title of today's message is going to be this. It's going to be, Thank God for Poor Fishermen. Thank God for Poor Fishermen. The memory verse is going to be a couple verses because I want to be able to give us some good context here. But it's going to be Luke chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. And I'll be reading from the New International Version, guys, and it says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The bottom line or the main point that I want us to get from today's message is this. God uses ordinary broken people to accomplish his purposes. Man, I feel like I need to say that again. God uses ordinary broken people to accomplish his purposes. Amen. Yeah, that's a shout right there, guys. That's a shout right there. Man, by age, by age five, by age five, a woman by the name of Harriet Tubman was already pressed into slavery. She was already taken care or rented out by her slave owners to work um, on the neighbors, work with the neighbors that lived next to them, uh, man, and, and she served them. And that was where she first began. She was born right into slavery. Now, by age 12, um, the uh, womenhistory.org is really keen on telling us that Harriet Tubman had already realized by age 12 that, man, this is horrible. Slavery is horrible. And she actually stood up for a fellow slave that was being mistreated. So, man, from an early age, you could tell that Harriet Tubman, she cared about people. She cared about people no matter where she came from, no matter that she was born into slavery. And, man, she was so good at helping people that by, uh, when, she, when she was able to escape herself herself, 
and become free from slavery. She wanted to go back and to help other people. She wanted to help them escape as well and to find freedom in the north. Now, she was so good at this, guys, man. We, we know her as being able to know the passages and the routes along what's called the Underground Railroad, being able to find places to, to hide and to navigate through slavery, um, slave territory, and be able to press her way into the northern territories to be free and to lead others to that same freedom. Now, she knew these so well that the Union Army actually ended up recruiting her to help them in the Civil War because she knew these passages through the South so well that they thought they could use her knowledge to be able to gain an advantage. And man, she was able to do that and so much more. She even went on to be a nurse to help uh, white and black dying soldiers in the Union Army. This is Harriet Tubman. This is part of her story. And it all started from being in slavery. She was a slave and still she was able to do these extraordinary things. Because as we know back then, guys, slaves were, were mistreated. They were horribly mistreated. They were not looked at as being people because of the color of their skin. And man, that's tragic. But because Harriet Tubman realized that, man, she had a purpose and that she could help people, and she was able to do extraordinary, extraordinary things. And it didn't matter her background. It didn't matter where she came from because God used her to help other people. So, man, our bottom line, God uses. God uses ordinary people, ordinary broken people to accomplish his purposes. Now, in our passage for today, Jesus is teaching and he's preaching I'm at a nearby lake. And as he's teaching and preaching, a crowd is gathered around him and they're listening to the word of God. They're listening to him preach and teach everything that, that he knows about the word. And as Jesus is teaching, it's like he almost breaks into a little sermon illustration. And he gets off the shores and he gets into a boat. Um, one of the boats um, is owned by Simon, who is also called Peter. We know, we know Peter, don't we? So he gets into this boat that, that Peter has and he goes out and he tells Peter to go out, go out. We're going to go away from the shore and we're going to go into deep water. And what Jesus tells him is that man to cast their nets over the side of the boat to catch some fish. Well, that's where Peter tries to remind Jesus, well, like Jesus, this has been tough. We have been fishing all night and we have not been able to catch a single thing. And when Jesus says, man, cast your nets over and certainly, certainly, you will catch something. And they, and they do. And man, they catch so much fish, guys, that they're able to fill both of the boats that they have with them on the shore. The one that Jesus is in with Peter and the other boat that is owned by James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And so what gets me about this, guys, what gets me about this, this passage, this text, is that Peter, Peter was an ordinary man. He was a fisherman, like, just like James and John. And guys, fishermen back then, they were, they were also treated very poorly. They were looked at in society as being less than because of the job that they did. Fishermen, they did not make much money. They did not make much money. They came from very humble backgrounds, humble beginnings. And they were looked at as being less than because of that. But man, here Jesus is, the Lord, now Savior of many of your lives. And he cares about those who are less fortunate. He cares about those who are ordinary, who are looked at society as being broken or as being just regular average people. He values them. He cares for them. And man, when he tells, when he tells Peter to do this and he does it, 
and they catch all of this fish. Peter is just in awe. I said, no, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And I got to think that Peter's response, guys, isn't just because he realizes that, man, this guy is something special and I am not. I am not. I got to think that part of his response is because he's like, man, who is this man who cares about me enough to stand in my boat to get me these, all of these fish and to tell me that I'm worth something? And man, guys, what he does is he ends up telling them, man, now on, they're going to fish for people. They become disciples of Jesus and they go on, guys, to help Jesus save the world. They go on to help Jesus spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ordinary fishermen. And man, guys, this morning I want to thank God with you for ordinary fishermen, for ordinary people like Harriet Tubman, like you and me, who are broken and just the same and ordinary as well. Because God can use us. God can use us. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes and go to God in prayer as we close out this message. Dear Lord, this morning, I thank you so much, God, just for your love and your grace, your ability to use ordinary broken people. God, man, we thank you so much for that. It shows that you value us, that you care about us enough, God, to be able to use us to accomplish everything that you would have to do in this world. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you for that. We thank you that Jesus was able to show enough concern about people that were ordinary, just like us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Help us to go to fish for people, to help him, God, in this mission that we are on together. We love you and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Who can say, God, I ain't got to have my name called. I don't need a shout out. I don't need a post on Facebook. I don't need them to tell nobody my name. My joy will be knowing that the Lord used me to help them start their business, to help them get their marriage together, to help their child get back on the right track, to help them feel their joy. God, just you, any way you want to use me, any way you want to use me, God, still need to let this light shine so that others will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. You see, people recognize who God is by looking at us. Just like Jesus walked the earth and gave evidence of a good God, a God who cared about people, a compassionate God, a loving and kind God. That's the kind of God they ought to see in us. When they see us coming, they may not want to deal with us, but they will be attracted to the goodness of God that is in us and shows through us and draws them to people who have not wanted to be your friend. Can't help it. Tell one another the truth about your life because you don't know there might be somebody
Amen. Let's give the Lord praise at this time. Of course, that's a preview as far as our March Gladness revival that's coming up uh, next month. And we're excited about that potential and possibility for uh, some of God's most gifted preachers to come and share here at the St. Paul Church. Uh, let me first of all say to all of you that are in the house, uh, good morning, good morning. It is HBCU Sunday. Amen. It is HBCU Sunday, and we take wonderful delight uh, for each and every one of you who've made your way as far as this place is concerned. We are certainly delighted to have with us as special guests uh, the Royal Court and the Student Government Association of Johnson C. Smith University. Amen. And I'm going to ask that they would stand at this time. Let's give God praise for them. Don't they look great? And if there are any other students from Johnson C. Smith, would you all please stand as well? We want to recognize all of you. Come on, let's give God praise for them. I'm going to ask that the vice president, uh, Dr. Haywood, if you would come to uh, bring greetings uh, on behalf of Johnson C. Smith. And I know we got some golden bulls in the house. Amen, amen, amen. One, two. Thank you, Dr. Scott, um, Minister Edwards. Thank you for having Johnson C. Smith University here today to worship with you. On behalf of our president, Clarence uh, D. Armbruster, our board of trustees, chairwoman Shirley Hughes, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. And we're not worshiping with Bishop Pillow or Deacon Blanket, right? Right, we are here. There's some wonderful things happening at 100 Beatty's Ford Road and these students that you just recognize are exemplars of that. We believe in empowering, engaging, and most importantly, transforming students. And so that I ask if you were here or online, please keep us lifted up as our institution continues to grow and develop keep these students, particularly our graduating seniors, who will be going out into the world and making a difference. And I would not be doing my job if I didn't plant college seeds early. So if you are a young person here today, if you are the mom, the dad, the auntie, the grandma, granddaddy of a, a prospective golden bull, I would ask that you take a look at Johnson C. Smith University Charlotte's only HBCU and a true gem in its crown. Thank you again for having us. Come on, let's give God praise. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Haywood. And I want to thank um, Minister Eric Edwards uh, for being a liaison between our church and Johnson C. Smith. He has really been on the ball, and uh, one of the things that we're trying to do and that I've been doing uh, this year is every month I've been meeting with college students that are part of our church here at St. Paul via Zoom and uh, trying to do whatever I can as pastor to encourage them and to uh, let them know we are praying for them and with them. 
and we want to extend uh, spiritual care to Johnson C. Smith. Since I've been here, we've been having that relationship. We want to continue that relationship. And even though we've been in virtual space and it's been a couple of years where we have not been able to engage, we want to do that with greater intentionality and purpose and passion. So thank you all for blessing us with your presence. And uh, after service, ushers, don't, don't kick them out too soon. I would love to get a picture with the royal court to say that I was somebody special, all right? So, so we're going to work that out. <clears throat> we're going to work that out and make sure that we do that after service. All right. So uh, we're certainly delighted to have uh, all of you that are representing uh, your HBCU. And of course, in the past, we've been able to do shout outs and things like that. But because of where we are right now, we're not going to do that. But I would love for anyone that has on anything that is representing your HBCU, either online or in the house, stand up. If you're online, put it in the chat. What you're representing, amen. I see North Carolina Central. I see North Carolina A&T, Virginia Union, Fayetteville State, Livingstone College, uh, Clinton College. Uh, man, don't, don't, don't be walking up on me. Man, <laughs> Elizabeth City State University, amen. Come on, let's give God praise for all of our HBCUs. We listen, HBCUs, if you don't know, produce the majority of our black doctors, physicians, lawyers, um, scientists, um, um, teachers. And, and so I don't know about anybody else. Um, I am proud and glad to be a graduate of a historically black college and university. Wouldn't trade it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. <clears throat> wouldn't trade it for the world, wouldn't trade it for the world. So um, uh, we continue to do this. I just want to let you all know next Sunday is going to be uh, Divine Nine and Black Organization Sunday here at church. So uh, wear either um, paraphernalia or um, a T-shirt of your uh, organization. Y'all know I'm coming up in here in... Uh, yeah, royal purple and old gold. No, I won't have any gold boots. Those gold boots have been retired. Amen. If y'all if y'all see me stepping, y'all just come and just grab me and put me in the institution because y'all know I have lost my ever-loving mind because my knees will be hurting, my back will be hurting, and definitely something going on wrong in my head. Once you cross a certain age group, amen, it's just certain stuff you don't need to be trying to do. I'm just saying I'm just saying, so if y'all see y'all pastor trying to cut a step, I did that 30, uh, 20 years ago. I ain't trying to do that now. All right, all right. So uh, HB, uh, Divine Nine, next Sunday. Um, I tell you what, if I did do that, y'all have to pay me a whole lot of money. I know y'all ain't gonna do that. All right, Divine Nine Sunday, next Sunday, Organization Sunday as well, and then the fourth Sunday is our African attire. So uh, we want to go out strong as far as Black History Month is concerned. We also having vaccinations here at the church, COVID vaccinations on Wednesday for the month of February and March from 10 to 5 in the gym. The clinic is held in the Ray of Hope. All vaccinations will be given. Uh, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, as well as booster shots. So 
If you have not been vaccinated, please, man, please, sir, the only way we're going to get back to some sense of togetherness in, in, in more fullness is to get vaccinated and to continue to practice uh, conditions that mitigate the spread of COVID. All right. Kaya is going to be taking place on February 23rd. Uh, the topic is a new year, a new me. So join the Kaya Charlotte team with a panel consisting of a career coach, Ivy Grant uh, Ingram, a personal trainer, nutrition specialist, Shayla Hoder, and a family medical practitioner, Dr. Nima. And they're going to talk about how to have a new you uh, and a better you, a new year, a new me on February the 23rd at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, you've seen the video for our March Gladness revival that's going to be coming up in March. Just also want to let you know we are doing sermon conversations whereby every Sunday I preach a sermon during this quarter. Uh, and then there's conversation about that sermon uh, during the week. And we have several groups that are meeting during the week. We have six groups with an addition for our teens ages 15 through 18. And I want to encourage you, please, ma'am, please, sir. Sign up, join a group. They're having great, invigorating conversation. I'm doing a series of sermons on the scriptures and the 1619 project. Scriptures and the 1619 project. So last week, we talked about progress where I preached on we're not there yet. Today, we're going to be um, dealing with the sermon on fear and um, talking about when fear brings out the worst in you. So I'll be preaching that in a few moments. So we invite you to... Uh, join a group, have conversations, talk about how the sermon, um, what the sermon did for you, and wrestle with that with others. It also creates a time of fellowship, and so I want to let you all know this is something new that we're trying to do so that we can maintain connection, communication, and cooperation with one another as far as being saints in the house. Last thing I want to say is that Mecklenburg County is having conversation about lifting the mask mandate. And uh, there are two things I want, I want to share with you all. Um, while they may lift the mask mandate, if you come to St. Paul, we got a mask mandate. Um, uh, now, we may be making some shifts as far as some other things are concerned, but we want you to continue to wear your mask if you come to St. Paul. And here's the other thing, too. Uh, we're trying to keep the church doors open. And so if you're feeling sick, please stay home. Go get tested to make sure you don't have COVID. All right. Um, uh, but, but please stay home if you're not feeling well. Uh, but I just want to let you all know we are open. We're in the house and the Lord is allowing for people to come back as far as our worship experience is concerned. So with that, we're getting ready to go to the Lord in prayer. And as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, um, we want to lift up the family of Sister Faye Dean Frazier, who is the mother of disciple uh, Ronald Dean and um, Marilyn Frazier. And those services will be tomorrow here at St. Paul, quiet hour at 11, and the services will be at noon. The family of Brother Samuel Wade, the son of disciple uh, Beatrice Whitener, and those services are pending. Also, the family of disciple Sister Elizabeth uh, Gooding, the, um, uh, the wife of disciple Brother Perry Gooding. Those services were Friday here at the church. And we want to continue to lift up the uh, family of Sister Shirley Davis, the mother of disciple Nicholas Blending, 
Uh, and those services were held Friday at A.E.R. Greer and Sons Mortuary here in Charlotte. So we want to continue to lift those families up in prayer uh, as far as loss is concerned. We also want to lift up, I got word that Sister Frankie Davis uh, is in the hospital. Uh, I think she might be getting out today, but we want to continue to lift her up in prayer. Gwendolyn Roberts, we want to lift up our pastor emeritus, uh, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, Sister Thomasina Drummond. And there'll be names that'll be scrolling up and down the screen um, that you can also include in your prayers. I'm going to ask that Reverend Kelly Baptist will take us to the throne of grace uh, to prepare us to lift our concerns unto the Lord. Let us pray. Holy Father, you know it all, God. You know the hearts of those who are still grieving. You know the minds that are wondering what comes next. God, you know our ups and our downs, the good and the bad. And Father, we come into your presence, Lord God, lifting up all of those who are struggling today, God. We we put them first on the agenda because sometimes when you're wrestling and it's all up in your mind and your heart and your emotions, you feel like you're all by yourselves, God. But but please let your spirit comfort someone today knowing that they are not in this by themselves, God. We pray that by your spirit, you would move to comfort hearts. And sometimes we just need you to wrap your holy arms around us, Lord God, and let us know that it's going to be okay. It's not just a cliche. It's a blessed assurance that you've got us covered. God, we come before you lifting up those who are struggling in their minds, God, because it's been a long couple of years. There are folk who haven't said a word and people think that they're standing strong and they're, they're still standing strong but they're struggling God and so today we come alongside of them and say you can lean a little bit on me and we're going to keep walking together father God we pray for every family heavenly father who is trying to think of new ways to connect and stay together Lord God and not lose anyone to the separations of these times God we pray in the name of Jesus for everybody that still needs healing because there's more than COVID running around these streets God there's still depression and there's cancer, Lord God, but we serve the bomb in Gilead who is not inhibited by medicines, God, who's not inhibited by any thought of man, God. So we lift them up to you because we know you're still Jehovah Rapha, God. We know that you're still our healer and our strength and our provider and our peace, God. We come together right now in this place holding fast to the testimony of the saints that you have brought us this far and we don't believe you brought us this far to leave us behind. And God, we thank you right now because even in the midst of everything that's going on, in the midst of politics, in the midst of health crises, in the midst of educational and financial concerns, you're still delivering souls. You're still healing bodies, God. There are people getting promotions, God. There are still people getting raises. There are people who are finding their emotional balance, God. You're still doing great things even in the midst of us. And we don't lose sight of that, God. Help us to stay focused in the right direction, to not let the darkness pushing in from every side, trying to extinguish the light of Christ in us, push aside our memory of all that you've done so far. God, you've been good. You've been faithful. You've 
Lord God, to be your light shining into someone else's darkness. Help us, God, to not sit flat-footed, God, but to find the spaces where we can help you accomplish your will so that we can see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, not just in heaven, but on earth, not just in the church, but in the community, in the government, in our households, God. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done and your transformative power change realities over and over and over again. Just like you changed us when you saved us. Just like you changed us when you forgave us. Just like you changed us when you comforted us. We pray in the name of Jesus, let the waves of your healing and your justice and your peace and your power change us and everything around us one action one word and one person at a time and let us start right here in these hearts gathered today god we love you 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 you. and we're grateful we're so grateful thank you for your son for your sacrifice for your blood and for your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray and we all say together, amen. 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 If you believe that God is answering that prayer, can you give God praise right now? Amen. Thank you, Reverend Baptist. Beloved, it's time to give. It's time to give and what a blessed opportunity it is for us to partner with our God through the act of worshiping, through the act of giving. And as we prepare to give, there are several ways you can give here at the St. Paul Church. First one is by either mailing cash or, uh, I mean, mailing check or money order to the church at 1401 um, Allen Street, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28205. Or you can drop off cash, check, or money order here at the church. But call the church office at 704-334-5309 to make sure that Someone is here to receive your offering and, of course, uh, put it in the safe for the following week's count. The other way you can give is through our website, through uh, ACS or Church Life, and then you can give through Givelify. And uh, if you don't have that app on your smart device, go to your app store, search for Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. Download it, search for St. Paul Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, connected to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks you can give. If you have a physical offering uh, in the sanctuary, there's a basket on the row in front of you. You don't have to touch that basket, um, but at the appropriate time, you can drop your offering in that basket, and our ushers and our receiving team will collect them for the count. So as we prepare to go to the Lord in prayer, I'm going to ask if you're able Place your offering in your right hand or however you're giving. Let's lift it to the sky and let's give um, unto the Lord as we have this prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to give, to serve, to be a blessing to your work through St. Paul. God, if you would, take these gifts of ours and multiply them in a Godful way because we're sowing into great ground here at St. Paul. Lord, we pray that you would bless those who are uh, giving through the discipline of tithes and offerings. Bless those who are giving something 
And then, Lord, for those who feel like they don't have to give anything, if you would continue to uh, convince them that they can't beat you giving so that they can move towards that. Uh, it is in Jesus' name that we give, and it is in Jesus' name that we pray, and in Jesus' name that we claim the blessing connected to our generosity. Amen. For those that have fiscal offerings, if you would just place it in the basket uh, on the row in front of you. Amen. And give at this time.
God is great and greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The only way that any of us, especially black folks, are still here is because there is no way except for God. Thank you um, to this mass choir ensemble for blessing us. And you were talking about, Kim, you were talking about, you were concerned. You knocked that thing off the park, girl. Amen. Amen. I want to continue the series of sermons we're doing entitled The Scriptures and the 1619 Project. And the focus for today is fear, fear. And um, when I was thinking about preaching on this, this topic, this theme of fear, uh, and I'm just gonna be transparent, I, I was thinking about how black folks, how African-Americans have been afraid of what white people have done to us through lynching and, and um, different things that have taken place as far as uh, America's history is concerned. So I was, I was going to come from the, the subject, or from the scripture rather, that Paul writes to Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Then when I read the essay about fear in the 1619 Project, a book by Nicole Hannah-Jones, and I would encourage you to get that, put that in your library, read it, uh, use it as a point of reference um, to give better understanding and clarity as far as how slavery has impacted every aspect of American life. Um, and, and this is something that's not being taught in our schools. Uh, but but th this book really helps you to have a better appreciation for what our enslaved ancestors went through. So when I read, read that section on fear, uh, I had to change my, my scripture reference because it's not dealing with black fear. It's dealing with white fear. And, and white fear is dangerous. White fear is dangerous, and, 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 and the reason that a lot of things have taken place from the inception of slavery that has been done to black and brown bodies to enslaved Africans as well as Native Americans is because of white fear. So that's what I want to talk about. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Exodus chapter 1. And let's look at verses 8 through 14. Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. And it reads like this from the New King James Version of the Word of God. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to the people, look. The people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, 
lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they may also join our enemies and fight against us, and so get up out of the land. Therefore they, the Egyptians, set taskmasters over them, the Israelites, to afflict them with burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor, with harshness, with oppression. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. I want to preach for the time that is mine when fear brings out the worst in you. When fear brings out the worst in you. Uh, usually I don't say this, but I solicit your prayers. He wasn't bothering anyone. Just minding his own business as he walked through a gated community in Sanford, Florida. Munching on some Skittles and drinking some tea when George Zimmerman chased him down and killed him because he was a young black man in the wrong neighborhood. Trayvon Martin should still be alive today. But because of white fear, George Zimmerman, being a volunteer neighborhood watchman, thought it was his sworn duty to deal with this suspicious Negro. So Zimmerman followed Trayvon, provoked him. They had a slight altercation, and then he killed Trayvon. Unfortunately, Zimmerman was later found not guilty in the court of law. White fear. He was walking back to his apartment complex after having left the neighborhood convenience store. Having to been believed to have stolen some cigarillos, he was pursued by a white police officer named Darren Wilson, who threatened to kill him. Mike Brown was shot multiple times with his hands in the air because Darren Wilson feared for his life. Darren Wilson was not charged with any crime or violation of Mike Brown's civil rights in Ferguson, Missouri, white fear. She was sleeping in her bed after a hard day work as an EMT in Louisville, Kentucky. White Plains Clothes officers broke into her house searching for evidence against a suspected drug dealer, sprayed it with bullets, killing Brianna Taylor in her sleep. No drugs were found. No officers were charged. White fear. He was pulled over for a traffic stop in Falcon Heights, a suburb of St. Paul, Minnesota. He told the officer that he had a gun because he was licensed to carry. Geronimo Yanzi shot 
Philando Castile several times because he thought Castile was reaching for his gun when all Castile was doing was reaching for his license and registration, trying to comply with the officer's demand. Yanez was acquitted of charges of manslaughter and a dangerous discharge of firearm, white fear. He was just jogging his normal route, not bothering anyone. He stopped by to look at a new house being built in a predominantly white neighborhood. And then he started his run again. Three white vigilantes chased him because they suspected him of having robbed some homes in the area. Ahmaud Aubrey was taunted shot and killed by Travis McMichael while his father Gregory McMichael egged him on and as William Bryan recorded the incident. White fear. All he did was view through some binoculars the aerial feats of God's songbirds as they flew from tree to tree. A white woman didn't have her dog on a leash And this bird watcher just asked her, ma'am, put your dog on a leash, as were the rules of Central Park. But instead, this white woman called the NYPD on Christian Cooper, a black man, and told them that an African-American man threatened her life. And had he not been recording it, he might have been in jail or dead. White fear. He was accused of using a counterfeit $20 bill to buy some cigarettes. Police were called. And on May the 25th, 2020, George Floyd's life was choked out of his body because of the knee of police officer Derek Chauvin being placed on his neck for more than nine minutes. The recorded video went viral, bringing national and international attention to the unwarranted and unnecessary demise of George Floyd. White fear. I use this term, beloved, white fear, because I'm speaking in general terms, not specificity. In the 1619 Project, edited by Nicole Hannah-Jones, the essay written by Leslie Alexander and Michelle Alexander on the theme fear highlights this point. They wrote, and I quote, decades of false political promises, desperate living conditions, simmering racial tensions, mass criminalization in black communities, and a failed efforts at police reform fueled a brief wave of political violence in cities across the country in the days that followed. Protesters recognized that white fear of the racial other was not limited to the police or even our criminal justice system, but it was endemic in American society as a whole, end of quote. All I'm trying to say is that white fear has been and is the working reality to justify the oppression and brutality against people of color, especially black people in the United States of America. Since the days of the inception of this country to our present reality, black people have had to navigate the nefarious waters of white fear in this so-called sea of democracy. 
It has been the concept of white fear, which is rather irrational and absurd, which has created the climate in which we find ourselves today. And I quote that by the time George Floyd was murdered, pervasive police and tragic consequences of white fear of black people have become undeniable in the eyes of many Americans. End of quote. But white fear has always been the irrational foundation of this country because of its inception and its original sin. And whether we want to admit it or not, slavery is America's original sin. Just like our biblical foreparents, Adam and Eve, this country and even our world has been infected with it ever since. Like the sin Adam and Eve committed in the Garden of Eden, according to Genesis, slavery has become the venomous poison which has spread throughout the veins and the bloodline of this country from 1619 till 2022. However, there's a reason why there's this such thing as white fear. And here it is. That when our enslaved ancestors were beaten, raped, oppressed, worked from sun up to sundown, there was something within their psyche, something within their soul that knew this was out of line, out of sync with the original divine intent of God the Creator. That there was something within our enslaved ancestors which prompted them to rebel against the viciousness of the Europeans who rebelled against God by putting them in slavery in the first place. The aspect of white fear has created a unique situation because the majority culture and its allies realized that white people will soon be the minority in the United States. There is this white fear that if the minority people of color, which will one day become the majority, ever comes to power politically and socially and economically, that the tables might turn and vengeance might be sought. I'm here to let you know God doesn't like ugly and don't care too much for pretty. White fear is nothing new in the annals of history and even in the biblical career. In fact, there's a story in the book of Exodus that looks eerily familiar to white fear that we see in today's American society. The story of Exodus is really the movement of God in the formation of Israel as a nation. It is couched within the framework of oppression, liberation, and instruction. The oppression of Pharaoh and the Egyptians against the people of God whose ancestor Joseph was responsible for Egypt still being on the map of the world. The movement of the hand of God liberating the children of Israel from the tyranny of Pharaoh and the bondage of slavery encourages the reader in tough times. The instruction that God gives Moses in the desert through the Ten Commandments become the governing charter on how God and God's people will interact still has merit and meaning in today's society. What I'm trying to say is that oftentimes we look at the story of Exodus in isolation. What do I mean? We read the story of the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, 
not as a continuation of the Genesis story when we should. So what I'm trying to let you all know is that if Genesis is the book of beginnings, uh, Exodus has to be tagged on to Genesis to really appreciate how God moves in the history of Israel. Because when you read the first verse of Exodus in the original Hebrew language, you will see the English word now. And that word now denotes that it is connected to something that had come before. Therefore, I want to make this suggestion, if I could, from a biblical interpretive perspective. I want to propose that the story of the Exodus is more than God lifting the tyrannical and oppressive hand of Pharaoh off the necks of the Hebrews. I want to submit this story is more than Yahweh fighting for Israel when they got to the Red Sea. God is continuing what God started in the book of Genesis. If Genesis is the book of beginnings, if Genesis is the story of creation, then Exodus is the continuation of creation by getting ready to birth a nation, Israel, into existence. I'm going somewhere with this. Therefore, in the book of Exodus, God acts as a midwife. To bring Israel into existence through the birth canal of oppression. White fear is very similar to the fear that drove Pharaoh to enslave the Israelites and to commit genocide against them. It was Egyptian fear for the Israelites. It's white fear for African Americans. For the Israelites, it was ethnic. For our enslaved ancestors, it's racial. And it is rooted in the fact that when our enslaved ancestors heard the biblical story of the Exodus and the promising but non-applicable words of the Declaration of Independence and the uprising and the overturning of the French government in Haiti, white Fear in this country moved to a boiling point and has not gone down ever since. And so this white fear has brought out the worst in some white folks. So I want to wrestle with just for a moment what happens when fear brings out the worst in you. And if you all will just walk with me for a moment as I attempt to make this argument, I promise I'll make it plain as possible. That first of all, when you have this type of fear, there's no appreciation of those who have come before you. It's right there in verse 8. If you follow the flow of the text in verse 8, the Bible says that this Pharaoh did not know Joseph. Uh, this Pharaoh was pitiful. This Egyptian Pharaoh did not like foreigners. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The reason this pharaoh did not like foreigners is because there was a group of foreigners called the Hyksos who ruled Egypt during the same time that Joseph came to great power and influence. The Hyksos, H-Y-K-S-O-S, were a mixed people of Semitic and Asian descent. And they were similar in heritage to the Hebrews and was during the reign of the Hyksos where Joseph came to power. So Jacob and his sons and their families moved to Egypt in the area of Goshen during the reign of the Hick 
Saul's dynasty. And so Israel grew and prospered during this time. And eventually the Hicksaws were overthrown and driven out of Egypt. And so there came a new Pharaoh who had no regard, no respect, no reverence for Joseph and his works. This Pharaoh that's now on the throne was ignorant historically and deficient morally. He comes up with a plan to depopulate the Hebrews. This Pharaoh used fear as a control mechanism by claiming that the Israelites were more in number than the Egyptians and they might hook up with the enemies of Egypt to overthrow them. So he had the Hebrews to engage in hard slave labor, hoping weak men and women would die. This Pharaoh dehumanized the Israelites. He transforms them into the property of the state. And this is why black people identify with the Hebrews in the story of the Exodus. However, instead of dying, the Israelites multiplied. Uh, this, the, the same is applicable today because in the United States of America, this country would not be where it is had it not been for our enslaved ancestors. <clears throat> now, I want you all to notice how I refer to our ancestors. I do not refer to our ancestors as slaves. I'm going somewhere with this. I, I, I do not refer to them as slaves because they were not slaves. They were people that were taken from a land. They were doctors and lawyers and astronauts and astronomers and people that had potential and power and passion and purpose. They were not slaves. They were enslaved. And the reason I don't want to call them slaves because that was not their divine designation. They, they were enslaved. They were stripped of their tongue, stripped of their culture, culture, stripped of their character. But God kept God's hand on our enslaved ancestors. It is, is, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? Facebook, YouTube, Zoom, St. Paul. Isn't it interesting how there are persons of color? There are persons, rather, who do not want to recognize nor appreciate the contributions of African Americans to the tapestry of our history. Isn't it amazing how in today's culture to talk about black history, they want to say it's critical race theory. In fact, during this time of the year, in most public schools, our children get the same soup warmed over. Our ancestors were brought over here on ships, picked cotton, tobacco, and sugar. They might hear about Benjamin Banneker and Phyllis Wheatley, and they're definitely going to get something about Martin Luther King and his dream and Rosa Parks sitting down on a bus, and that's about it. But this country, and even our world, would not be where it is had it not been for the contribution of our enslaved ancestors. But they're not going to get taught this in the public school system. This is not going to be taught in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. This is not going to be taught. 
not going to be taught in Union County schools. Not going to be taught in Rowan. Not going to be taught in Iredale County. This is not going to be taught in public schools. And it sure ain't going to be taught in private schools. As a matter of fact, can I be transparent? Uh, I didn't get a good understanding of what we as black folks did until I got to Jackson State University. I, 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 I didn't know all the stuff that we had done until I went to an HBCU. And I had some professors in English and in constitutional law and legal research and writing and political advancement that dropped some nuggets on me and drilled some stuff in me that I did not get from the Monticello High School. So I want to say to you, parents and grandparents, that you need to teach about our history in our, in your homes. And that's why I'm talking about it in the church and preaching about the contributions because guess what? You ain't going to get this talk or t- type of talk at elevation. I ain't scared, y'all. Y'all know me by now. You're not going to get this type of talk at most white churches, but you're going to get it if you come to the St. Paul Baptist Church. Why? Because we understand that we got to help our children and grandchildren understand that within them. So I'm going to talk about it in the church. And if you don't like it, you can get to stepping because I ain't here to please you anyway. I'm here to please the Lord. White fear stifles our young people because if you ever realize how smart, how intelligent, how brilliant, how talented, how gifted, how magnificent, how incredible your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents who didn't have much, who had little and did a whole lot, it will inspire you to strive for more and to do more and that's what scares the hell out of white people who want to keep you down and hold you back. Y'all need to understand. We weren't dumb when we came to these shores. We had some stuff inside of us. As a matter of fact, when you really want to trace black history, you don't start at 1619. You got to go back to Egypt. Because whatever the Greeks got, they got it from the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were people of color. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. This, listen, this is why within our cultural DNA, we are always doing something out the box. Benjamin Banneker was the architect who designed the layout of Washington, D.C. Phyllis Wheatley was a poet extraordinaire. 
Bishop Richard Allen founded the world's first black denomination, the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Christmas Addicts was the first person that was killed in the American Revolution, a black man. Romare Bearden, a well-known artist who was born here in Charlotte. Gwendolyn Brooks, the first African-American woman inducted into the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Shirley Chisholm, the first African-American woman elected to Congress and the first African-American candidate to run for a nomination for a major party's candidacy. Sojourner Truth was an abolitionist and a suffragist. Jorana Lee was a sister preacher in the AME church. Harriet Tubman was the underground railroad conductor. She had a Bible in one hand and a pistol in the other and said, if you're going to roll with me, you're going to go all the way. Carter G. Woodson, good Omega man that started Negro History Week that has morphed into Black History Julian Abley, who designed Duke Chapel as well as a whole lot of buildings on the campus of Duke University that he wasn't even able to step on. Garrett Morgan is the reason that if you run a stoplight, you're going to get a ticket. And Louis Latimer is the reason we got lights because of his working with the filament of the light bulb. We have always been on the cutting edge of doing something wonderful and unique. And we need to let our young people know we got more than they give us credit for. Doggone it, my time is up. finish this sermon because uh, so 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 I, I, all I just want to let y'all know is you got to have appreciation for those who have come before you but then what fear would do is it will produce an inferiority complex not superiority but in first follow the flow of text because text in verse 9 Pharaoh admits how the children of Israel are more or stronger than the Egyptians. This new Pharaoh worried since Israel was growing exponentially that Israel might join with their enemies or might leave them without a labor force. This Pharaoh did not have a superiority complex. He had an inferiority complex, which prompted him to put Israel in check through oppression and slavery. So this goes back to the Hicksaws who had been in charge when this current Pharaoh comes to scene and he gets rid of them. Why? Because he has an inferiority complex. Do you know that when people have an inferiority complex, they tend to overcompensate? They tend to be flashy or or they tend to seek attention or they tend to be overly aggressive. It's because they're trying to hide something. Uh, This Pharaoh felt inferior to the Israelites, even though the Israelites were the marginalized group. But think about this. When when a person has an inferiority complex, they are bombastic. They're arrogant. They're narcissistic, they're neurotic, and they're majorly disrespectful. 
Doesn't that sound like somebody? I'm just asking. Don't, doesn't that sound like somebody? Uh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't we know some folks who have an inferiority complex? They got little hands. Uh, uh, they always got to have attention. That whenever they come to the stage, they want folks to applaud them. See, 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 the, the, see, see, the slave owners had the inferiority complex. Taskmasters had the inferiority complex. Some of our founding fathers had the inferiority complex. The Confederates had the inferiority complex. Politicians who don't want to extend voting rights had the, has the inferiority complex. Some rich people have the inferiority complex. And those who degrade our women, they certainly got it. Listen, when you got to degrade others, demean others, dismiss others, discount others, devalue others, disgrace others, and discredit others, you might have an inferiority complex. But you need to realize that anyone that has an inferiority complex against you, it ain't your problem. It's their problem because you you know who God is in your life. You're able to say, listen, you may have some issues. I ain't got no issues with you because you got an inferiority complex, but greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. So regardless of your inferiority complex, I ain't coming down to your level to make you feel good. I'm going to continue to walk in the power and in the authority and in the might of the God who saved me, who changed me, who liberated me, who emancipated me, and who calls me his child. But another reason this fear has consequences because this fear will make you afraid you're going to lose something. <laughs> that, that's in verses 10 and 11. Notice what Pharaoh said to those who were within Israel. Pharaoh says, come let us deal with them and keep them from multiplying or they're going to join the enemy. Or they may leave us without a free labor force. Pharaoh wanted to implement a policy that would keep them from multiplying. And take advantage of free labor. Since Egypt was a nation. And Israel was not. Since Egypt was accustomed to war. And Israel was not. Egypt took the tools of war. And turned it into the tools of oppression. They did all this because they did not want to lose free labor. Free forced labor throughout the Nile Delta region. Had the Hebrews building the cities of them and Ramses. Remember this. The Hebrews came to Egypt because of Joseph to be saved from a famine. They were independent. They were primarily shepherds. But now this Pharaoh repositions them from freedom to forced labor. The Egyptian power structure wanted to reduce the population of the Hebrews while simultaneously having them to make bricks. They wanted to kill them off with hard labor. Doesn't that sound familiar? Therefore, when you look at American history, think about it. The American Revolution, the Civil War, black codes, and Jim Crow took place. Why? Because you had certain folks who were afraid they were losing something. 
the ruling economic class of white men who were landowners did not want to lose the free labor of the enslaved cheap labor of sharecroppers and domestic workers and field hands past the Civil War. And this is very apparent in our social, political, and economic landscape. Check this out. Remember, when there were protests over George Floyd's death taking place, Donald Trump condemned it. He blasted Black Lives Matter. He used the dog whistle and said, I'm going to establish law and order. And he linked it to Christianity because remember, he went through the marchers, stood in front of the St. John Episcopal Church, held up a Bible upside down in front of the church. Now, do y'all remember that there were nearly 20,000 National Guard troops in the streets when they were protesting about the death of George Floyd to protect federal property, all prompted because of white fear and because they thought they were going to lose something. But January 6, 2021, when a predominantly white mob of mainly trained Trump supporters stormed the United States Capitol, desecrating it as Congress was trying to certify the election of President-elect Joseph Biden, there were no National Guards out there to stop it. As a matter of fact, they didn't even show up until after all the damage had been done. The crowd stormed the Capitol because they were afraid of losing something. And that's the only reason why they're doing what they're doing against black and brown people in this country because they are afraid of losing something. But we serve a God that is able to give us what they think they're going to lose. Let me go ahead and wrap up. Let me go ahead and wrap up because I, I, I know I'm past my time. I, I'm, I'm trying to preach halfway good. I know I'm past my time, but but I need to give, give y'all this because all of that has been rather dismal. But I got some good news for you. Here's the good news. That when you operate in racial fear, when you operate in ethnic fear, when you operate in irrational fear, it will place you in direct opposition to God. Boy, y'all don't know when to shout. When the Lord revealed that point to me, I had to shout. Listen, in verses 12 through 14, here's the shout. The more the Hebrews were afflicted, the more they grew. Somebody help me preach this thing. <laughs> in other words, Pharaoh's plan backfired. Pharaoh's policy failed. Instead of population reduction, there was population explosion. In fact, the more oppressive the Egyptians were, the more the Hebrew population grew. In other words, the greater the suffering, the more they grew. The harder the affliction, the more they grew. The tougher the pain, the more they grew. The rougher the whip, the more they grew. The crazier the circumstances, the more they grew. Don't, don't get it twisted. The Hebrews were not enjoying the pain. 
They were not going around saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. They were not taking delight in their suffering just because they were growing. Those Hebrews, those Israelites were crying out for something better. But this is what we know about the numerical growth of population. That as the numerical growth occurred, the Israelites had to spread out throughout the land of Egypt and live in areas they had never lived before. In other words, they had to leave Goshen and head toward the capital city. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Uh, uh, Because when black folks started growing in population and moving out to where the white folks were, the white folks then left the city and went out into the suburbs. But now they coming back into the city engaging in what I like to call grandstanding, coming back into other neighborhoods that they once left and left depleted and blighted. But now they want to come back and say, we want our stuff back. Well, I want to let you know that here in St. Paul, we're going to anchor down in the Belmont neighborhood. We ain't got no intention of going anywhere. Ooh, I'm getting ready to mess with somebody. Because watch this. However, what Pharaoh did not realize is how his policy placed him in direct opposition to the God of the universe. And and, and here's the reason. Because God had made a promise to Abraham and to Sarah. God had made a promise to Isaac and Rebekah. God had made a promise to Jacob and his wives, uh, Leah and Rachel. God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I feel something pushing me now. Y'all got to excuse me. My Mississippi is trying to slip out. And as as Pharaoh enslaved the Hebrews, it was like he was trying, yeah, to enslave the God of the universe. Uh, But I got to wrestle with, uh, how is it possible that the Egyptians were inflicting so much suffering on uh, those Hebrews? When they were trying to wear the people out, trying to make them tired so they would not have the strength to have children. But the only way to explain the multiplication of the Israelites, the only way to explain how they were able to hang in there when they should have died under the whip is that God was with them. God, I feel like preaching. And uh, because God was with them, God had made a promise uh, to their ancestors. When he told them that I'm going to bless you with a land. And not only will I bless you with a land, uh, but I'm sending somebody that's going to come and fix what Adam and Eve messed up through your seed. God, I feel like preaching. And so I want you to know, St. Paul, uh, that not even Pharaoh could stop the Lord from bringing his word to pass. And am I talking to anybody in the house that ain't afraid to testify that whatever the Lord told you, he's going to do. That he's able uh, to bring it to pass. Uh, Good morning, St. Paul. May the Lord bless you real good. But I need to let somebody know that when fear brings out the worst in you, when white fear brings out the worst in some white people, uh, there's a tendency to do anything to hold black people down and back. Uh, 
But I'm so glad that our ancestors endured the most beautiful form of slavery in world history. I'm so glad that our enslaved ancestors, those that did not jump overboard, those that did not die in the sea, I'm glad that somebody in my bloodline was able to survive and thrive under oppression. As a matter of fact, it's amazing that we as black folks are still here because when you think about all that our enslaved ancestors went through, it's amazing we have survived. Our enslaved ancestors were whipped within an inch of their life. Our enslaved mothers were raped by their owners and overseers. Our enslaved fathers were broken in like a buck. Our enslaved families were separated at auction blocks. Our enslaved forebearers did not have the luxury of maintaining a family line. Our enslaved descendants took little and did much. And I have to let you all know the only reason that we're still here is because the Lord was on our side. Because is there anybody that know they gave us straw? We gave them bricks. They gave us seeds. We grew some cotton. They gave us lemon. We produced lemonade. They gave us sorrow. We wrote some songs. They gave us pain. We penned some poems. They gave us trouble, but we got a testimony. They gave us the blues. We gave them music. They gave us hell. We told them hallelujah because we got the Lord on our side. Good morning, St. Paul. May the Lord bless you real good. The only reason we're still here today, the only reason we're able to gather online and at 41 Allen Street is because we got the Lord on our side. Can I preach this thing the way that I feel it? I'm not talking about a God of capitalism. I'm not talking about a blonde-eyed, blue-eyed Jesus that's draped in an American flag to the AK-47. But I'm talking about the God of Jesus who identifies with the oppressor. And it's this God who gives us power. And it's this God who gives us strength. And it's this God that gives us passion to fight against racism, to fight against sexism, to fight against classism. And is there anybody in the house that ain't afraid to give God praise? Because had it not been for the Lord on your side, ain't no telling where you will be right now. Do I have anybody in the church right now that ain't afraid to give God praise? Because you know you are where you are because God walked with you. God talked with you. God held your hand. God guide your steps. And if the Lord has done anything for you, you ought to give God praise. Do I have anybody in the church right now that ain't afraid to tell the Lord thank you? Thank you uh, for bringing me over uh, many dangerous toils and snares. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am had it not been the Lord on my side. Uh, and because in the face uh, of white fear, uh, I can sing this line. Uh, God of our weary years. Uh, God of our silent tears. Uh, thou who has brought us uh, 
way. Thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Keep us forever in the path we pray. Bless our feet stray from the places. Our God where we met thee. Bless our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand. May we forever stand true to our God. I need some folks that's true to their God. True to Jehovah. True to Yahweh. True to Jesus. True to the Holy Ghost. True to the God of Abraham and Sarah. True to the God of Isaac and Rebekah. True to the God of Jacob and Leah. True to the God of Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. True to the God of Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King. True to the God of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama. True to the God of the St. Paul Baptist Church. True to the God and true to our native land. Good morning, y'all. May the Lord bless you real good. But can I give you one more shout? Because this land is not our home. We got another land. We got another building. Not made with the hands of man, but which is eternal in the heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm working for my mansion in the sky. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Now, if you ain't too mean, and if you ain't too scared, lift up your hands. Give God a praise. Tell the Lord, thank you, because you did not succumb to white fear. When fear gets the best of you, you fail to operate in the promise and the provisions that God has for you. Yeah. Um, can, can, I know somebody gonna put in the chat. He dogging out white churches and stuff. No, I ain't. Let, 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 me, let me say something. The only reason St. Paul is in place in the first place is because they wouldn't let us worship with them. And, and I'm all for connecting with our white brothers and sisters. I'm, 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 I ain't got no problem with white folks joining our church. I got a white youth pastor. That some of y'all tripped on when I hired him. Yeah. Been one of the best hires I've made. Here, but here's what I want y'all to understand. 
What I love about Peyton is that Peyton ain't trying to be black. It would look crazy for him to try to be something that he ain't. Just like I ain't trying to be white. Here, here's the thing, that when you become part of the black church, it ain't about, it's not about race. It's about fighting against oppression and structures and systems that hold us down and keep us back. It is, it is not about race and ethnicity. Which is why I can talk about white fear and not be fearful of Peyton. Being offended because he know he don't fit that category. God, let, let, let me open doors of church. Stand up if you're able. Stand up if you're able. Stand up if you're able. Listen. Um, I want to lead you in a short prayer because, listen, after all of that stuff, talking about fear, the ultimate reason we are here is to invite you to a life-liberating, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching us online, if you're in the sanctuary, I want to lead you in a prayer. Short prayer of new life, a short prayer to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, and I'm going to ask you if this prayer fits you to make a decision. To make a decision. And I want you, if the Lord is touching upon you to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to do something. Is that all right? So if you would, repeat after me. Lord, I thank you for being with our ancestors who were enslaved. Had you not been with them, we wouldn't be here right now. So God, I need you to liberate me from the slavery of sin. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead. And I believe one day you're coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit into my life to free me, to liberate me. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. I believe you will forgive me. And I want to thank you for the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Amen. If that prayer blessed you, if you would give God praise. Hear me, hear me well. If you're watching us on Facebook or if you're watching us on our website and you want a relationship with God and you prayed that prayer, you meant it in your head, in your heart, you meant it in your mind, in your spirit, you're sincere. You go like, I want to make a change. Salvation is yours. All you need to do is do me this favor. If you would, on Facebook or our church website, type in salvation in the chat box. One of our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. Um... Or you could call the church office at 704-334-5309 and leave a message that you, want to, that you want salvation. If you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on the telephone, you can email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call the church office at 704-334-5309. Leave your name and a phone number 
where we can reach out to you by five o'clock tomorrow and let you know what the next steps are to become saved and to become baptized. If you're in the church right now and that prayer was meant for you, if you're in the church right now and you know you don't have a relationship with God and you were touched by our worship experience and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just do me this favor. Would you hold up your hand if, if this prayer was meant for you? Would you hold up your hand if this prayer was meant for you? Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand in the balcony or on the floor. Hold up your hand. If you got your hand up, I want you to understand what it means to be saved. If you got your hand up, would you come on down? I want you to understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody walk with him. Somebody walk, walk, walk with this prince. Walk with this prince. Amen. Will there be another? Will there be another? Here comes another. Here comes another. Come on. We can do a whole lot better than that, St. Paul. Here comes another. Here comes another. Here comes another. Here comes another. Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? Will there be another? St. Paul, we can do a whole lot better than that. We can do a whole lot better than that. We can do a whole lot better than that. Listen. 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 You might be saved. You might know who Jesus Christ is in the pardon of your sin, but you're saying to yourself, listen, pastor, I, I believe in Jesus. I've been baptized, but I'm not part of a church. Had been part of a church for quite some time. Uh, had been part of the church since the pandemic. Had been going to a church, but I would love to roll with St. Paul. I would love to become part of the tribe of St. Paul. If you want to unite with us, either by Christian experience, which means you've been baptized, but you want to become part of our church, or under watch care, which means you're going to be in the area temporarily, don't want to give up your church home, but you would like to roll with us while you're in the Charlotte area. We'd love to have you. I'd love to be a pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're watching us on Facebook or on the website, type in connect. Somebody's going to reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. If you're watching us on YouTube or listen to us on the telephone, Call the church office at 704-334-5309 or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Leave your name and a number. Somebody's going to reach out to you by 5 o'clock tomorrow to let you know what the next steps are. If you're in the house, if you're in this sanctuary and you're saying, listen, man, I love the way y'all do things from, the, from your protocol for, for, for us to worship to the worship experience. I would love for you to be a part of our congregation. I would love to be a pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we would love for you to do life with us as we do life with you. If you don't have a church home, if you don't have a pastor, I would love for you just do me this favor. Just hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. We're not going to ask you to give your name or nothing like that. Just hold up your hand. Just hold up your hand. Hold up your hand. If you got your hand up, if I can be your pastor, if these people can be your church family, would you go ahead and come on down? If you would like to be part of our church, go ahead and come on down. Somebody walk with her. God bless you. Will there be another? Will there be another? St. Paul, we can do a whole lot better than that. Don't ever take for granted. There ain't anybody on to come. Walk with my sister. God bless you. God bless you. We can do a whole lot better than that. Whole lot better than that. Will there be another one? 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 All right. Have a seat, St. Paul. Can we celebrate these that have come? Let's give God praise for them. I just want to be cautious. Let me. We take wonderful delight in you all. You all are our special gifts today. We thank God for you. And so uh, if you need to get a purse or, or anything, go get your purse or anything like that. Uh, if not, we're going to have some people that are going to take you to where y'all take them to the gym. 
Okay, I'm gonna take you to the gym for a hot second, get some information for you, let you know what the next steps are. So before you go, let me do an elbow. All right. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. All right. God bless you, my sister. I want you to follow these these lovely people. Let's give God praise and say, Paul. Let's let's give God praise and follow them. Let's give God praise as if we're cheering for the Super Bowl tonight. All right, we're getting ready to leave. We're getting ready to leave. We're getting ready to leave. I'm getting y'all out of here before 12 o'clock. We're getting ready to leave. But before we leave, before we leave, as we prepare to leave, we want you to follow the directions of our ushers as they escort you out because we want to mitigate, again, uh, this pandemic that we're in. Um, and Johnson C. Smith, can, can me and my family take a picture with y'all? Cool. I want to say I was with some important folk today. Amen, amen, amen. All right. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. God, we thank you for song, scripture, prayer. We thank you, O oh God, for those who have come to be a part of this fellowship, but more importantly, a part of your family. Now, God, as we leave from this place, dismiss us. Keep us in your sovereign care. Now, unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To the wise God, our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. Listen, I love you. God loves you even more. Have a strong, blessed week in the Lord. Be safe. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated. Practice social distancing. Wash your hands. Follow the directions of our ushers.